Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame Podcast. Presented by Town Place Suites, Waco Northeast. This episode, Behind the Wheel, with three-time Indy 500 champion, Johnny Rutherford. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame Podcast, presented by Town Place Suites, Waco Northeast. I'm your host, Jackson Michael, and in this episode, we get to hear stories from auto racing legend Johnny Rutherford, otherwise known as Lone Star JR. He stands as one of a handful of drivers to win the Indianapolis 500 three times. He checked into Victory Lane in 1974, 1976, and 1980. He also raced in the Daytona 500 in 1963. That was only the fifth Daytona 500 in history. He will share with us some wonderful stories about that race, as well as memories of his fantastic wins in our nation's most prestigious race, the Indianapolis 500. Lone Star JR has always been well identified with the great state of Texas. It might surprise you to learn that he was born in Kansas. His family moved to Texas when he was young. My dad was in the service. He was in the Army Air Corps in World War II. So we moved around a lot. I think I went to 13 different schools during my lifespan. And to my way of thinking as a youth, you know, it was just what we did. Midget car racing, featuring smaller race cars, started to gain attention in the years before World War II. The sport found new popularity right after the war. The public was just, you know, had been pinned down by the war for several years. Finally, they wanted to see something exciting, and midget racing had just shown itself as war started. And then it came back uh, right after uh, World War II in 1946, racing really started up in this country, and and Frank Curtis built the Curtis Craft midget race car. You could call Frank and order one, and it was a different racing, but the midgets, and they were very exciting and put on great shows on quarter-mile dirt tracks all over the country. Johnny Rutherford's dad took him to the midget races at a young age, the trip inspired Rutherford. He dreamt of one day being behind the wheel. I was probably eight or nine years old, and my dad took me to a midget race right after World War II. Dad took me out to the Tulsa Fairgrounds to the midget races to watch, and that hooked me. I was, I just, you know, that was my deal. I wanted to be a race car driver. Rutherford joined a local hot rod club when he was older. His desire to race grew stronger once he got a chance to drive a dirt track car. I was in a hot rod club here in my community in River Oaks 
and uh, we met once a week and everybody had their cars and we helped each other working on them and doing whatever and one night in a meeting one of the guys said I've got to leave early and go help my brother put the engine in his dirt track car and I sat straight up in my seat said dirt track car he said oh yes they raced every Friday night over to Devil's Bowl Speedway in Dallas and so the next day I went out with him and they let me drive the car down the road and that was enough to sink the hook pretty good and I started looking for a car to build my first race car out of. He found what was to become his first race car at an old service station in Grapevine, Texas. I found a 32 Chevrolet Coupe that had been a race car but not the type that it was going to be at a derelict service station in Grapevine, Texas and I found out who owned it, bought it and put a tow bar on it pulled it back to the Hot Rod Club, and the guys helped me build my first race car. Johnny's illustrious racing career started in 1959 at the Devil's Bowl racetrack in Dallas. He tells us about the uneven track and its unique challenges. It was built in a rock quarry, and that had had a lot of stone pulled out of it, and the first and second turn were on normal terrain level with the rest of the area around it. But down the back stretch, they had quarried stone out of what was the third and fourth turn, and it was downhill. Not real steep, anything, but just, you know, you came off at two and then just kind of went downhill into turn three. I uh, raced there for a season in 59 was my first full season in racing. Rutherford drove sprint cars and midget cars over the next few years. He got a big break in 1962 after the season ended. He first learned about the opportunity from a friend. His friend asked if Rutherford ever thought about racing stock cars. I had a phone call from a Pontiac dealer friend in Dallas. He asked me if I had ever thought about running a stock car. You know, I'd never driven a late model stock car. I was a sprint car guy and a midget guy, racing midgets. And anyway, uh, I said, sure, yeah, that would be good. He said, well, if I got a friend that's building a special car for Daytona, and he's asked to talk to you. The thought of racing at Daytona sounded great in itself. It was even more exciting once Rutherford found out who offered him the chance. So I went over to Dallas and sat down with him, still didn't know who it was, and he called the guy and was talking with him and said, yes, he's right here, I'll, I'll put him on. And he handed me the phone and said, here, talk to Smokey Eunuch. Smokey Eunuch was the crew chief for Marvin Panch, who won the 1961 Daytona 500. He was also the crew chief for Fireball Roberts, who won the 1962 Daytona 500. Johnny Rutherford, a young sprint and midget driver that Eunuch had kept an eye on, was added to the team for the 1963 Daytona 500. I talked to Smokey and said I'd be down there the next day. I loaded up and headed for Daytona. Got to the shop at dusk and knocked on the door and 
while the guys answered the door and says, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> I said, I'm Smokey's new driver, Johnny Rutherford. And he yelled out, hey, Smokey, your driver's here. The team fitted Rutherford for the car as he had never driven a late model stock car. Rutherford went to the track the next day. Smokey Eunuch had a couple of NASCAR legends picked out to help Rutherford learn the ropes. Went to the track the next day, got credentials and went in and uh, got everything unloaded in the garage area. And Smokey said, you're going to need somebody to answer questions for you about this place. I'll be back in a minute. Then he went away. In about 10 minutes, he came back, had two guys with him. And he said, here, uh, I want you to meet Fireball Roberts and Joe Weatherly. They were my tutors for my first Daytona 500. Little Joe was having a lot of trouble with his car. We didn't talk much, but Fireball did help me some and told me places to watch out on the racetrack. Rutherford went up against another NASCAR legend in qualifying. The rookie Rutherford beat out the seasoned vet with a little help from Unix's mechanical wizardry. Junior Johnson and I battled. He was the only Chevrolet there with the same engine that, that I had, but Smokey's was plenty trick, I can guarantee you that. So anyway, we were battling for the pole position, and it came down to Smokey pulling a trick out of his sleeve, and we got to set a new track record, a new world record for stock cars with this Chevrolet, and I won one of the 100-mile qualifying races. In winning that race, Rutherford earned a NASCAR distinction that still holds true today. I'm the only driver to ever win a race in NASCAR with car number 13. That was the number on Smokey's car, the black and gold number 13. And it was a points-paying race, so I'm on the NASCAR list with only one win, but it was car number 13, and I'm very proud of that. The win in the qualifying race earned Rutherford a high starting spot in the 1963 Daytona 500. He finished in the top 10 and placed ninth in the race. The rookie NASCAR driver showed a lot of promise. Johnny had an opportunity to stay with Smokey Eunuch, but his true passion was for Indy. Indianapolis, you know, listening to it on the radio and everything when I was a youngster with my dad, it was the race. It was just something that I had always planned on, especially when I got in racing. When we return, we'll hear stories from Lone Star JR's illustrious career at the famous Brickyard and his three Indianapolis 500 victories on Behind the Wheel with Johnny Rutherford on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. Presented by Tamplay Suites, Waco Northeast. This is Cliff Harris, Free Safety for the Dallas Cowboys. You're listening to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. Enjoy it. When you come to Waco, be sure to stay at the Tamplay Suites, Waco Northeast located just a short distance from the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. 
You'll start your day off with a delicious complimentary breakfast, and you'll also enjoy the Town Place Suites free Wi-Fi, fitness center, and pool. Next time you come to Waco, make the Town Place Suites Waco Northeast your home base on the road. Welcome back to Behind the Wheel with Johnny Rutherford on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by Town Play Suites Waco Northeast. When we left off, Johnny made a strong showing in the 1963 Daytona 500 and finished ninth. But racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the Indy 500 was young Lone Star JR's dream. That dream came true just a few months later at the 1963 Indianapolis 500. I started racing in 1959 at Devil's Bowl Speedway in Dallas, Texas, and qualified for my first Indy 500, uh, what, four or five years later in 1963. So I was on a mission. I had to hunt around for a car that was capable, but I finally found one. It was a dream come true to make the Indy 500. Rutherford talked about how he got from a racetrack built on a former quarry to the most famous racetrack in America in such a short period of time. A truly remarkable accomplishment. Desire. People always wonder what creates success. It's got to be desire. You know, you've got to have the world's worst case of the want-tos. You want to do it more than anything else, and that's what it was. Everything in my career was that way. I'm a lucky individual. I got to do what I dreamed of doing as a youth all my life. Rutherford started 26th on the grid for the 1963 Indy 500. According to RacingReference.info, he ran 43 laps before a transmission problem forced him out of the race. In 1964, he survived a terrible crash at Indy that claimed the lives of two drivers. Auto racing has always been exceptionally dangerous, but 1964 proved to be a particularly tragic year in racing. In addition to those two deaths at Indianapolis, both of Rutherford's NASCAR tutors, Fireball Roberts and Joe Weatherly, lost their lives as a result of separate racing accidents in 1964. Johnny Rutherford continued to consistently compete on the indie circuit throughout the 1960s and continued to climb higher in the standings, his career really gained steam in the early 1970s. He earned pole position at Indy in 1973, racing for Team McLaren. He finished ninth in the race and credits his crew for overcoming engine trouble to obtain a top 10 finish. The details of 73, my first year with McLaren, we did set a new track record, world record for closed course qualifying and only finished ninth in the race. Well, the reason we finished ninth is attributed to the crew. We broke an exhaust header. You've got to have that exhaust 
shower and came to the pits and the guys changed the exhaust header and got me back out there and I was able to run fast enough to get us back up to ninth before the end of the race. The crew did one heck of a job. Engine problems affected Rutherford's position on the starting grid for the 1974 Indy 500. He again credited his crew, this time for overcoming adversity before the race. We scuffed a piston during practice that morning, Saturday morning, pole day. The guys went back to the shop, changed the engine, everything connected with it, oil lines and everything, got back out there and in line. But the officials said, no, if you weren't here when qualifying started, you got to go to the end of the line. Well, that we certainly fussed about that. Al Unser had the same problem, so we, we were both shuffled to the back of the line. Despite starting deep in the pack, Lone Star JR quickly jumped to the front. He battled A.J. Foyt, another member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, for the lead in America's most prestigious race. When we qualified, we got shuffled back to 25th starting spot, pole in the ninth row. My car was so good as M16 McLaren that when the green flag dropped, in 12 laps, I was running third. I just passed him as I came to him, and Foyt and I put on a hell of a show for uh, quite a few laps, and his car started blowing oil. Had a line come loose, I guess, or, or I never did find out for sure. But he covered me up with oil, and I had to back away from him. According to the stats on RacingReference.info, Foyt led for 70 laps and dropped out because of the oil line problem. Johnny Rutherford led the race for 122 laps and crossed the finish line as the 1974 Indianapolis 500 champion. Winning the Indy 500 is always a fantastic achievement. The fact that Rutherford did so after starting in the 25th slot is even more remarkable. That was the furthest back that an Indy 500 winner started since 1936, according to the Sports Illustrated article that covered Rutherford's win, his first victory in the famous race. That was my, my first win, but I'm proud of starting 25th and winning my first Indy 500. <laughs> Rutherford came close to getting his second Indy win in 1975. He finished second in a rain-shortened race that was stopped after 174 laps. Rain also influenced the 1976 Indianapolis 500. Rutherford started the race from the pole position. He owned a large lead just past the halfway point in the race. Rain started to fall and the race was delayed. We were all parked in the pits, uh, had covers on the cars, and they took for over three hours to clean that big place up where you could race on it. Workers prepared the track, and Indianapolis Motor Speedway owner Tony Holman waited to give the command to restart the race. Rutherford tells us what happened next. 
Everybody was saddled up and nearly ready for uh, Tony Holman to give the command, restart your engines, and it rained. The bottom fell out. I mean, it rained really hard. And when that second rain came, that was it. It would have been dark before they had the thing ready to go. And, of course, Andy doesn't have lights. So, anyway, that was it. We had gone 102 laps. And in the rule book, says you've gone just over halfway or halfway, then the race can be called and somebody declared the winner. Well, we were leading at the time when the deluge came, and they said I was the first driver to ever walk into victory lane. <laughs> but uh, that was 76, 102 laps. I've won the shortest race at Indy. The win gave Johnny Rutherford his second Indianapolis 500 championship in three years. He drove a McLaren M16 race car in both victories. The flat-bottom cars, the M16 McLaren, was, I think, the greatest flat-bottom IndyCar ever built. By 1980, Rutherford inherited a different type of car, the Chaparral 2K built by another Texas Sports Hall of Fame member, Jim Hall. Rutherford says the car's ground effects set it apart. That was a whole new world. That race car with the ground effects, total ground effects, was incredible. It put you in another dimension. The ground effects cars had tunnels on each side of the side pods, and they were curved from below in the front to as high as they could go in the back, which was like the top of an airplane wing. And it created downforce, aerodynamic downforce, and so the car was really something to drive. I had a great year, won the national championship, and won Indianapolis, my third one. So it was, it was something. It was a great, great race car. 1980, marked Lone Star JR's third Indianapolis 500 victory. As of 2021, only 10 drivers have won three times in the history of the race that dates back to 1911. Johnny Rutherford was inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 1982. He spoke about what the honor means to him. Well, it's a great honor to be considered with the members of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. When you put everything you can into a, a subject, you don't expect returns. You, you get your return at the time that it happens. So to be honored by your people in the state and the Hall of Fame is really great. You can see memorabilia of Johnny Rutherford's career, including his helmet and racing suit, at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, located in Waco. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by Tamplay Suites, Waco Northeast. Come visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, and when you do, book your stay at the Tamplay Suites Waco Northeast, a winning place to stay.